We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to episode 487 of the Barcelona Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Neil Hilton, he's Levant, a.k.a. Barcelona, and we actually have a ton on tap today. Quite a few different little mini-topics to work through as a stomach bug canceled the first preseason match and left us with everything but a game to actually talk about. And since it's been a few days, there's plenty of news since the last time I talked. So, Levan, are you ready to go? Are you in off-season form, or do you think you're in preseason form, or are you in you know full-season El Clasico March, let's go. Hot time, summer in the city. I'm sweating my <laughs> off. It definitely is not pretty. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that. This humidity here on the East Coast in the U.S. I, I mean, it's. I not say I'm, I'm jealous even of the dry air that exists. We were out west, my wife and I, last week. That's why I had pre-recorded stuff. So I felt like as hot as it is, you're closer to the sun in altitude. But like, it's just it's not humidity. Humidity just it kills me. And so I yeah, know, I'm no, a little jealous of any same, place with the dry heat. Same here, man. Same here. It's Barcelona. It's uh, past 11 right now, and I'm still sweating. Yeah, nuts, nuts, nuts. Uh-huh. Okay, so four guys who are going to be sweating as leaders this year. That's a weird transition. But we're talking about captains as our first thing here. Sergio Roberto, Ter Stegen, Ronald Araujo, and De Young in that order. So first off, with those four, how are you feeling about that? I'm I'm happy for uh, for Ter Stegen is first captain now. Or Second that... captain. It's Roberto, Ter Stegen, Araujo, De Young in that order. Okay. Huh. But Ter Stegen will. I mean, he really. I mean, Ter Stegen is going to be first captain in most of the most of the time. But still weird. Time. Exactly. Still weird for Sergio Roberto to be captain. Um, uh, Frankie De Jong. I'm not sure if he's captain material. Uh, there, there's one thing that I think he still does, where if he makes a mistake, he needs like one second of whining before he reminds himself, "Hey, I shouldn't whine. I should play." And that that's not what I would like to see from from uh, from uh, from the captain. We all know that Araujo is the real captain. Whoever they put the armband on, Araujo is like the incarnation reincarnation of Carlos Puyol. So I'm 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 very I'm very very happy, or at least I would have been very uh, disappointed had he not been one of the captains. Yeah, I think the club did the right thing because yeah, he's. In theory, he's too young or not tenured long enough. But again, nobody in this cl- club has been there for that long at this point mm-hmm. because of who's who's left. So, yeah, it's not the club's decision though. It's they, they voted for it. The players voted. The players, right? And I'm saying the players haven't been in the locker room 
long enough themselves to say, hey, this player has been here for this long and long is tenured, so it has to be this guy. These players generally have all of arrived in the last three, four years for the majority of the club. So yeah, I mean, Ronald Araujo is the choice. I think they're right there. And, and it's interesting too, because last season, Barca started with four Catalan captains. Now it's just one, and it's the, the main captain, Sergio Berto, that are rarely oh, on the field. So after Yeah, Roberto, right, because last year, last year was Pique, Puyol. Uh, not Pique, Puyol, Pique, uh, Bussi, uh, Sergio Roberto, and Jordi Alba, right? Correct, to start the year, yeah. right. And then Ter Sagan took over for Pique. But after Roberto leaves then, which you expect would be the next two, three years, unless they make Oral Romeu a captain for a year, <laughs> or Eric Garcia, there won't be a Catalan captain of the four since I believe they started having four captains. I, I, I was looking back, and I don't think they've ever gone with the, with when they started having four captains without a Catalan in there. Because I was looking back, and even the last first captains, they were Busquets, Messi, Iniesta, Xavi for a season, Puyol for 10 seasons, Luis Enrique for two, Sergi Barzuan for one, Pep for a few seasons, Jose Maria Baquero for four. In the 96-97 season, Baquero's not Catalan. No, he's not. I'm, I'm not. I'm not naming Catalans. I'm, he, he's okay. fast. I'm, I'm, I'm going through the first captains even. But that season, he shared the first captaincy, that being 96-97, with Jika Poseu, the, Romer, uh, the Romanian defender. They were like co-captains. And then Zubizarreta for a season before him. Of course, he's Basque. And then Jose Ramon Alexanco for five seasons, who's also Basque. Victor uh, Munoz for a year. And then before that, we're all the way back in the 80s. And we were for Munoz, but Bern Schuster before that. So the reason I bring that up is in the last 40 years, Barca's first captain has only not been Spanish for, other than Messi, one and a half years. And as weird as it sounds that Messi is like some adopted Spanish son, he kind of is, you know, as Barcelona and as Catalan as it can be without being Spanish and Catalan and, and, and all those things and, and being from a different country, having been born there. But the only, we'll say like non-academy or non-Barcelona or non-Catalan or non-Spanish products were Popescu and Schuster over the last 40 seasons. So it is going to be something different if when Roberto leaves, you do have Ter Stegen, De Jong, and then, because Ron Araujo, I think, is going to feel like, uh, he's going to feel like he's, you know, I know he's not from the academy itself, but he's going to feel like he was from there. Even though, again, he came at 19, though. So it's still, it, it's, it's just going to be a different flavor. But I, there's, I'm not saying uh, no, no, that. It's, 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 it's very different. And, I, and it's not just the captains. We don't really have any... Catalan players right now, or at least you know, we have Eric Garcia who might not be at the club anymore end and, of this summer. And, uh, we, and have Sa- we have Sergio Roberto and Uriol uh, Romeo. The, the, those three, right? So it's a, it's a very weird uh, situation and I'm not sure if in the academy we have anybody to, anybody who really will like come through and represent, well, Lamini Mall is from Matara. Lamini Mall is from like. Yeah, and and Lamini can he can represent Catalonia, of course, and that's great. But he very much represents a new Catalonia, which is very multicultural. But as far as that uh, that Catalan identity, he does not represent that. Yeah, um, Alex, uh, Alex Garrido is also Catalan, but what's his? Alex Garrido, but you know, exactly what uh, and um, Casado and uh, Pimprao. Um, no, Prim, they're, yep, they're all. Yep, they're all Catalan. Uh, Pau Prim. Is Prim Pau or Pau Prim? Um, Pau probably Prim, yep. probably the latter, Pau Prim, because Pau is Paul. But we don't know like if they're going yeah, we'll to ever safe. make it, right? So it's almost uncharted waters for, for Barcelona in yeah, this but, sense. 
Yeah, but it's you know, as much as uncharted for Barcelona, it's also uncharted for almost all of these other clubs around world football. Because when I look at the other captains at other clubs, especially in the EPL, that it is as global a game as it has ever been in in, in world football, especially in Europe. And again, that all starts with, and the reason I went back to the 80s is because that all starts with the Bosman ruling and just having different players that aren't from that country allowed in your squad. And as that number grew and 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 things are, again, non-EU spots are are worked through and and, and players mm-hmm. are from around the world are, are gaining bigger pronounced roles in these clubs from earlier ages, then it all right. becomes a possibility. So. But Barcelona has resisted that for a long time. For sure. Um, so in the EPL, uh, it, it was common for for teams to have a bunch of people who, or almost nobody, who uh, was not part of the identity of that club. Chelsea, I think Chelsea and Arsenal have had teams of only non-English people. Manchester United and Liverpool always had like at least a couple of academy players, right? So they always had, had yeah, that link. Yeah, they always had those two um, yeah. Arsenal was very yeah. French, of course, starting 20 mm-hmm. years ago. Arsenal, at yeah. least one of their captains was French usually for five, ten yeah. years there. And, uh, you know, Barcelona, e- e- even the team that won the first Champions League on their uh, on the Rijkaard, it had Puyol, it had Victor Valdez, Olaga. Uh, you can get more Catalan than, than Olaga, right? So Xavi <laughs> yeah. was part of that team. So there, there, was, there was always a Catalan core. And I think one of the beautiful things in in, in football, and I'm, I'm I'm not a national, I'm not a nationalist myself. I I, I don't have a strong national uh, identity because I've lived uh, outside of my country for for so long. But I think one of the beautiful things in football is that the identity is part of a club. So it, it's a shame if Barcelona just becomes another conglomerate multinational vehicle instead of. At least having having some some players uh, who who are, who are part of this identity, but well, and I do think that Barcelona does have a long leash of that, though, because the academy and players have been in the academy for so long that there is such a thing, very much like Messi. Again, Messi is an adopted son of in the way that Johan Cruyff was, like, but Johan Cruyff came as a full adult, but Messi came as a kid. I mean, Ansu Fati feels not necessarily Catalan, but he is an adopted son from the academy. Gabi, the same way. Mm-hmm. It's been a long time. Pedri, again, arrived at 16. So he will have grown up within the club. And even Araujo, yes, as I said, 19 comes up. So it's like, you know, as much as we say that, like these are players who are become adopted within Barcelona. Like, you cannot imagine now already, you can't imagine Pedri in another jersey already. Like you say, like, okay, that kid needs to be around or be in a Barcelona uniform for 10 years like you just can't expect him anywhere else so the opposite this end is of that true spectrum. but i'm also looking at the point of view of people uh, people from catalonia who go to the stadium and who who, who like to feel that connection with uh, somebody sure. who represents their culture and their identity right but yeah let's move on we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's PK and Puyol or PK and Mascherano or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough. And as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy, all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content. Everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to move on to almost the opposite end of the spectrum here because it's funny that Barcelona in the last two days have been linked with three names, or last two, three days. Jao Felix, Kylian Mbappe, and I've seen Manuel Lanzani, uh, Lanzini, rather, the uh, Argentine attacking midfielder. And it's funny because obviously Kylian Mbappe, we're throwing that out. It's like, it's whatever. I don't, it, it's nothing. Jao Felix also, I'm throwing that out. I don't, I mean, there is obviously that when there's smoke, there's fire. And that is a real thing. But that is a real thing from the Jao Felix camp, not from the Barcelona camp. So we'll take that seriously when it comes to the Barcelona side of things. But what the Jao, uh, the Jao Felix, maybe sure. But the other stuff that I, I've seen linked, and you're talking about the caliber of midfielder. I saw Kappa, Manuel Lanzini, Oxley Chamberlain, Quintero. It does seem like Xavi wants another living, human, warm body <laughs> who identifies an attacking midfielder somewhere down his bench, not to really like help the team, but almost break glass in case of Pedri for this season. But what that does say, if he is still asking for an attacking midfielder of some kind this season, it does mean, one, that he's still looking to play that box midfield despite having five wingers in Ansu, Ferran, Dembele, Rafinha, and now Abde. So who knows? of the five who will still be around come September 2nd. And then it also might indicate that Gundogan may play a bit deeper 
than we expect him to this season, where I think we all kind of anticipated he'd play a bit farther forward where he's probably most comfortable, but you could actually see him playing a bit deeper in a double, some kind of, some kind of double pivot with the young and or Earl Vermeu or the three of them farther back and then just a number 10, even attacking midfielder, just one of them, which would be Pedri. And then where does Gabi rotate? And then again, Pedri higher upfield. But I said, those candidates that I've heard are very uninspiring, but it does seem to me, and I have something on Earl Romeo I'm cooking up for later in the week. It seems that the rotation with those five is already very, very much set where each of them, if they all play about 2000 minutes, you're already out of minutes for the rest of the midfield. And Xavi is again, legitimately just saying, I don't know, like in a perfect world for me, Lopez, and maybe that's why you're seeing all this stuff be saying like people are trying to hype him up and say, Hey, for me, Lopez is really impressing and impressing, impressing. Because if Xavi doesn't get this, again, warm body at the end of his bench, you can be an attacking midfielder. For me, Lopez is exactly that. He is just kind of a utility attacking midfielder, number, the classical number 10 who started as a winger, tried to be a central midfielder, but he really is just like an attacking midfielder. And maybe he is that, that last piece down the bench somewhere this season and why they're hyping him up because Xavi's not going to get what he wants. I mean, if you're looking for uh, a very creative player who, who can attack, either from attacking midfield or maybe from uh, from the left flank, then Joe Felix is not the worst option in the world, right? Um, especially if Atleti is uh, stuck with the kid and he doesn't want to negotiate with any other club. And Atleti will absolutely need to get rid of him because if not, they'll be in trouble themselves with the Liga's fair play rules. Uh, so he might become uh, available for for a really good price. And you know, would, would that be the end of the world if we sign Joe Felix? No. Um, no, but I can't I, see him. I, I, I was... so I'm having a hard time looking at him as an actual player and not as just an outrageous number. Like he's one of those players that there's no way that his wages and what it would take to get him from Atletico Madrid in the next, because of how long his contract still runs. Well, it just, I don't see how the numbers ever make him make sense. Like it just, it, well, just, we... it doesn't, it's not going to work that way. For for one, we don't know his wages. So, uh, you know, if it's true that he really wants to come, then he'd be willing to uh, possibly drop his wages in, in order to, to go to a club where he wants to go, as opposed to, you know, remaining another year under uh, Diego Simeone, where he's not wanted, or maybe having to go to a club where he's... That is not ideal for him either. And uh, as far as Atleti is concerned, you know, they're in the same situation as, you know, right now we are talking about uh, selling uh, Frank Cassé for 10, 15 million, whereas his, micro- his market price should be way higher than 10, 15 million. Why would we be willing to, to let him go for, for that price? Well, for the same reason as Atleti will probably end up getting rid of Jao for... Yeah, but I mean, with a lot lower price. I mean, sure, but with I think with the inflated numbers that we're seeing coming, especially I mean today and yesterday, actually, for a ton of different players, especially from the French league and EPL, from uh, going to Saudi Arabia for very, very inflated transfer fee numbers. I mean, Jao Felix right now reportedly makes around fifteen. So even if he drops down to like ten, that does put him around Ansu level, Farron level in terms of wages. Farron makes a little less than that, but that does put him around the Ansu Dembélé kind of wages because right now he's just a bit a bit higher than that. He's like a third higher than that. But again, he just signed a contract extension in January of this year and his contract goes to 2027. So to, I mean, so even if Atleti are willing to like terminate part of that deal to help him come 
and the, like the transfer fee is lower. Like I, I just, I can't imagine Atletico Madrid would, would bite the bullet this year. Like how I would, if I'm them and he's really refusing to play or being this difficult, he's got to sit in the stands for a whole year. They can't, they can't afford that. I mean, they can't, but I, I just they don't see how Barca... They, 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 I just they don't see how Barca having to get rid of him for the wages alone. They, but that's they what I'm saying. Like, but we need a can Barca. That's what I'm saying. Like, Barca could get him for 12 to 15, but there's no way that Jao Felix only goes somewhere for 30 to 40, even if he's pushing for Barca. I mean, I say heck with him, but like with uh, with that contract, like, I, yeah, you're right. But Atleti is in a tough spot. I mean, we've seen a lot I, of... No, I think I think 30 to 40, like if, if, if he only wants to negotiate with Barcelona, yeah. then it's going to go down right to the wire. And then we're talking, hey, the last the last days of August, Atleti might panic. And 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 they might have end up having to take a loss. They still owe like uh, a bit more than fifty uh, million on amortization mm-hmm. on, on on the kid. So yeah. uh, say Barcelona can get him for fifty million. He's twenty three years old. You structure it as a loan deal. I think there's a lot more upside than than risk that you take. But I think yeah, I'm, I'm kind of. I, I, I think I I think that possibly Atleti will have to get rid for rid of him for less than fifty. Adam, I just I feel like structurally, even if we're going to talk about him as a player, I don't see how he really truly fits Barcelona. Like I just I don't see how he is the answer. Like yeah, he can play on that left wing, but I, I just don't see how Barca's system gets the best out of him. Like what the best version of him I, that I've seen is him playing as a secondary striker in the middle of the field off of a like a Diego Costa or a typical big number nine. And with Vita Roque, that is where the 30 to 40 million went. And I don't see how Vita Roque and Jao Felix would coexist in the same team with, again, Dembele and, and Pedri and, and De Young. I just, I don't see how all those puzzle pieces fit together. And you don't bring in a player who you know you have to structure so much of your attack around to get the best out of him. I think that's just too dangerous. Like you just need to say, I mean, that's why like, who functionally makes more sense? Like, is Jao Felix or, or Abde the better player? Jao Felix, duh. But who might fit Xavi's system and function better? Probably Abde, because what is a left winger for Barcelona supposed to do? Stay wide, dribble, attack, be direct. And, and that is what he's asking his wingers to do in this system. Especially, and that's um, kind of what that left wing was, being, was, was missing. Yeah, but you could argue, yes, with the left wing on the inside but, but, forward, but, but, like with Balde, it's different, but... but. Exactly. You have Balder bombing up the left flank and Jao Felix, you know, if he takes that Gavi role where he yeah. starts where he's more of a false uh, left winger, then he gives us a lot more creativity. I think his work rate at Barcelona will be a lot better than at Atleti because it's one thing to work for the ball and work like crazy under Diego Simeone. And I, I think those players, most of them enjoy it. But a player like Jao Felix, who is creative and likes to have the ball in the field, at his feet, does not want to work his off 88 minutes to to have 10 seconds on the ball. Like that just does not does not work for him. Whereas in Xavi's system, he I can see that work. I also don't think that you know he, he is necessarily a starter um, because we have Ansu, we have Gavi, but I think that he's very young and that there is potential of him becoming one of the best players in the world. And, you know, you don't know if this will be at left wing. You don't know if it will be at uh, in, in one or two seasons if he if he'd end up at false nine. I'm not saying he's a must sign. I'm not saying that, hey, you know, we absolutely have to go for him. But I, I think it could be a, an extremely interesting uh, option. And I think it's tip, like there, there are these players where you see him at one club or you see him at two clubs and it just is not a good fit. 
uh, like when Bergkamp was at Inter Milan. He was yeah. miserable. He looked terrible. Yeah, um, yeah. When, when, when Laudrup was at Juventus, it was a that disaster. And Jao yeah. at Atleti. And then, yeah, I know that he had that six, those six months at Chelsea, but you're going to judge anybody in that, in that freak show over the last six months? No. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. I, I think it, the other thought I would have is that you mentioned Ansu that, it, again, it's another one of those situations where I'm wondering, is it, gonna, is it Ansu or Jao Felix? And I still want to know this year what the answer to that will be, leading like Ansu gets first dibs on deciding whether or not it's Ansu or Jao Felix. And I would like to see a whole year of him being able to figure that out. Okay. Speaking of now, like real things, which are exits from the club, Langley is still hanging out. Dest is still hanging out. Shona Rajo is still hanging out since last we talked. But Chadi Wiad, the talented, not even, we don't necessarily we'll say high ceiling, but just he's talented. He has his stuff. He knows what he does. Left-footed center back from Barca Athletic, starter last year, is joining Real Betis on a permanent deal. It's a 2.5 million fee up front, which is because Real Betis, again, that number says more about Real Betis and Barcelona. Apparently, there are other installments to come potentially later on based on certain incentives. But the base fee is 2.5 mil because there's all that Real Betis can afford at the moment. And then there's a 50% sell-on clause for Barcelona, which is pretty good. There's also a buyback to bring him back, which is around 7 to 8 mil, which I actually think is pretty good value. Like anything more than like 15 on any of these players and that includes Nico. Anything I think more than like 15 is just going to be too high and Barcelona is not going to pay it. Because again, if, if those players at 21 now are good enough to be sold for some kind of number lower than 8 to 10 or 7 to 8, then why would Barcelona go back for them? Like, how are they going to make those improvements? Nico seems like by the time this hits your ears, is, is definitely off to Porto. But for how much? Those are the questions left. Seems like the number that he's going to be going on a transfer fee is 8 to 10 mil, which actually is pretty reasonable for, for a player that played about, what, two seasons of top flight football for Barcelona and Valencia. So 8 to 10 mil with a big buyback. I, again, that one, I think, it could be 15. And that's another one of those that if it's 15 to 20, Barcelona probably won't be paying it because he's going to be worth just a little bit less than that. But I think that's why Barcelona is negotiating. That's why this one's dragging on. It's because that buyback, they want it to be reasonable in a way that I think in recent years, they've kind of been rinsed on that. Umtiti is joining Lille, which is actually a pretty big move for him. And I'm actually excited. Oh, that's confirmed. That is like 85, 90% I've seen over the line. So right. that's like, it's almost there. We, like, we, got an, we had the expectation that he was going to return to France. And if Lille's the team that's going to take kind of a flyer on him, because... I mean, ah, you said Lille. Lille. I, I understood Lille. Oh, Lyon. No, yeah, Lille. Okay. And I think Lille's a really good fit. I think that, I, I really like that move. I mean, Lyon would be a return to Lyon, but it seems like, uh, and, and actually Lille finished way higher in Lyon last year than the table. Like Lyon has a reputation, but Lyon did not play up to their reputation the last two seasons. And then the last one here, Gustavo Mai, which, oh boy. <laughs> As I've been hosting this show now long enough where I've had to, to look at these kids when they sign, and then I say goodbye to them a few years later. Yeah, and this, and this one, yeah this one's rough. Uh, he was bought and came to Barca B a few seasons ago. Contract four and a half mil, right? Now. Huh? Four and a half mil they paid for, that, for him, right? Yeah, it was four and a half mil. He still had a contract until June of 2025. That is outrageous. Mm. He signed in 2020 for on a five-year deal from, I mean, from Sao Paulo. And yeah, he played, uh, he, well, he played one season with Barca B at the time, back in yeah. 2020. Then he spent a half a season uh, on loan and Internacional de Porto Alegre and back in Brazil until December 2022. And then he last season was another half season after sitting out on loan for Valencia Mestalla, which is their, their B team. 
And that really didn't work out either. Like he barely played for the second team of Valencia. He barely played for the, the lowest level of the Brazilian top league. So, you know, he wasn't in the, he wasn't playing for one of the giants like Parmanis or Corinthians, Corinthians or anything like that. He was like lower down the table, but he was barely getting minutes there. He would sit out half a season before he finally got something to work out. And now he's going to continue his career at a Brazilian club, Villanova FC, which I have to like Google before, you know, I'm not too well-versed in, in Brazilian football outside of the top level. So yeah, Villanova FC, I mean, good luck to him, but boy, I mean, he didn't play for the first team. And if, because if he did, that would go down as one of the all time, like stinker signings if he had signed for the first team. Mm -hmm. But to your point, he signed for 4.5 mil, which is first team transfer money, even though he signed for the B team. Yeah. But how old was he when he, when we signed him? I believe he was, young. He was, he was like 19? 19. Yeah. I think he was 19. That sounds right. So, I mean, you get, you get a bunch of 19 year olds from, from South America and sign him for the, for the B team, which there's all kinds of things that, that is wrong with that for big European clubs who can just, sign players from the other side of the world for the B team. But, uh, okay. I mean, if, if you look at it, instead of spending, uh, I don't know, 50 million on one player who may or may not work out, or for, I don't know, 35 million plus a 15 million uh, bonus, Ballon d'Or class uh, for Andre Gomez, you know, you spend maybe four and a half million on, on Maya, which, okay, is terrible. You spend another two million on uh, some kid from Boca Juniors, uh, you spend another two million on some Brazilian kid. Uh, you spend one point nine million on uh, some guy from uh, Uruguay who nobody knows uh, and now goes by the name of Ronaldo Araujo and is the future captain, future first right. captain of our club. And it's all worth it because it's easy. It's easy to criticize those deals when they go wrong, but you're not going to get all of them right. Yeah. The tough thing about this one, along with the Mateo Fernandez one from a few seasons ago. Oh uh, no, 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 that was horrible. Well, what I was going to say is when I remember when Gustavo Mai was first signed, the word commission was used way too often. Apparently, there were some commissions behind the scenes on this. And his name has been floated with the, we'll say it's what do we call the Bartomeu Brazilians, where there were ones that Bartomeu got extra commissions from. And it was just, it's some seedy stuff. And it's gone all the way back to the Santa Rosal time with when it came to like the Brazilian mm. commissions and things like that. Okay. So, yeah, I, I don't know. It's, yeah, it's, it's not unfortunate for, but yeah, best elected a player. I hope he can figure it out. I hope more than anything, I always want the, he's still 22. So I just hope he plays. Like, I hope he can play his way into being a regular for, again, I'll bring it up, either Palmeiras or another club or even in the Me in Liga Mekis, like somewhere like there by 26, 27. Just stay in South America for the rest of his career, make some money, take care of himself of being a professional footballer. That is what we want for all these kids. Totally agree. Okay, so... Last two things here. I mean, I guess the last thing is like a big, big thing about the preseason. But last little nugget here is the rest of the Liga. Because for Barcelona and, of course, Real Madrid has brought in some big money players, sure. But the rest of the Liga are still kind of hemorrhaging players. Chiquezzi is gone from Villarreal off to AC Milan. So Villarreal has lost him. They've also lost Jackson as well. So another one of their young, promising forwards. They're going to have to replace somehow from usually a problem within. And then Sergio Canales at 32 is heading to Monterrey in Mexico from Real Betis. He'll actually get a pay increase with the move, which again, I'm, I'm not continuing to try to drag Real Betis, but they're in financial trouble. <laughs> they're having a lot of trouble registering players, even more so than Barcelona this time around. And so Sergio Canales and 32, I mean, Liga Mekis is a fine league for him. It, it may be, as much as it feels like a little bit of a step down, I, I, he accomplished most of what he was going to accomplish at Real Betis, you'd have to say. And yeah, for him to get a pay increase, yeah, go get it. 
to the canal. That's fine. The sad news is David Silva has reportedly torn his ACL and will likely be retiring from football. And that is a sad end to a, I don't want to throw the word legend around, but a legend of Spanish football. Like I know he played a lot for Man City, but between his time at Valencia and not so much his time at Real Sociedad, but his time even with the Spanish national team, just being a representative of a, the Spanish midfield, David Silva was, yeah, I, I want to use the word legend here. And then finally, Kang In Lee, young South Korean midfielder slash attacker, leaves Mallorca, going to PSG, believe it or not, actually. So I guess a pretty big step, pretty big move up for him. But yeah, so Chiquese, Canales, David uh, Silva, and Kang In Lee. So all different ends of the spectrum, young, old. Mainly attackers, mainly exciting, mainly players I really enjoyed to watch. So yeah, it's a shame that in all of these different ways, Liga just it seems like they continue to lose talent at too unfortunately high a rate in the last few seasons. And it's crazy, right? Because, uh, okay, so the Premier League is the Premier League. Ligue 1, France, well, you know, everybody just goes to Paris Saint-Germain. Yeah. That, that's not the league. That's Paris Saint-Germain who somehow still manages to make it competitive because they're too arrogant to play football half the time. Then you have Bundesliga and Bayern can play, Bayern buy players. And Dortmund will also, like they'll sell somebody for 120 million and then they'll make a couple of 30 million signings. And, and you have, what is it, Red Bull Leipzig? Yeah, RB Leipzig. Uh, yeah. Then R- the, R- the R- RB Leipzig, season, who, who, yeah. they, they also sign, uh, sign players and they, they, can sign, they can sign somebody from mid-table Spanish teams sometimes. Mm-hmm. Or at least they, they have that financial muscle. But other than that, they don't, they don't have clubs who can really sign players from, from La Liga. But then, then you have Italy. I mean, Milan, Inter. Yeah, for, for Milan to, buy, to sign a player from Villarreal, that's not insane. You know, I mean, Milan is a historical club and Italy has, has a bunch of clubs that should be able to sign from the likes of Villarreal based on, based on their reputation. So let, let's also like keep, keep that perspective. At, at the same time, uh, I believe in, in the fair play rules. Um, I think the problem of the fair play rules is that Spain is the only one who, who, who have fair play rules and nobody else seems to care at all. The alternative is for Spanish clubs to just go further and further and further in debt. I mean, imagine if Bartomeu were allowed to continue the mm-hmm. way that the way that he, he was doing. Yeah, Jao Felix would have been signed two days ago, or we would not exist anymore. So I I, I don't think the fair play rules are necessarily a bad thing. I think football is um, has. Football has completely completely lost its soul. Football is more than ever ruined by by money, and it's gotten to the point where that money no longer uh, acts in the interest of football, but it acts very much against the interest of of this game that we all love. And I don't know what the antidote is. Yeah, uh, I don't. I, I, I don't. I don't know. Like you can say, well, you know, Tebas should. Um, should be more flexible and allow clubs to sign more. Yeah, sure. But how much more is more? Because the clubs are not financially healthy. The reason yeah. that they cannot sign is not because those fair play rules invent restrictions that their financial health would not otherwise, like, you know, 
Yeah. Um, well, I mean, impose on them if the if the clubs were managed reasonably. Yeah, I mean, I think outside investment is also a huge discussion point in Spain because like Real Betis has pushed against outside investment before in the past and they're in the trouble they're in. But it's weird because it's like, I'd rather be in the trouble that I'm in in my own house, like with the people that I know and trust that we got ourselves in this mess, we're going to get ourselves out as opposed to doing what Peter Lim is doing at Valencia where you get exactly. you, you get that outside investment. He, they milk your club and then eventually Peter Lim's going to say, I don't want to play with this anymore. This is an old toy. This is dirty to me. And Valencia is going to be relegated and Valencia is going to be in a lot. Of, I mean, it's crazy that such an historic club is going to be like this story is not over. Like this story is going to get worse for Valencia before it gets yeah. better is my pretty reasonable prediction. And you yeah, do have and, clubs and like Peter Lim, like every, everybody, uh, all of the Valencia fans want him, want him out. Yeah. And, and Peter Lim, or I think his daughter literally came out and said like, you know, we do not care what you want. This is our club. Now you don't get any, you don't get a say. Saying it, you know, it's yeah, it's a vanity project. So, I mean, that's that's a real question for Spanish football in general. It's like, do you want that outside investment coming in to to try to save you, or I mean, even like Almeria, Almeria over the course of three years, they were they were bought by a, a huge foreign investment company that was what three years ago, and they but they pumped way more talent and money into the second division than anyone's ever seen. It takes them two years to come up to the first division. And then the, I mean, you've already seen like they're, they're still getting some investment, but now they're getting invested more one-to-one and they're playing by the Liga's rules and they become an average financial club again in the Liga because that investment is already starting to be pulled. And yeah, that, that's <laughs> risky business for all of these. I mean, again, it's risky business for Chelsea and Inter Milan in the same way that it is for, Mallorca again, who also had like outside born investment and things like that. Okay, yeah, so yeah, the Liga. I agree with you. There's no, I don't know what the antidote is. Any antidote is a lot of different things. It's very complex and very, and will take a lot of time. Like the timeline is not like, oh, one rule is going to fix everything. It, it's again, I go back to the Bosman ruling that we think about all the time. It's like the unintended consequences of the Bosman ruling of 1994. Like we don't know what the world's going to look like even in 10 years, five years. How technology changes. How. Mm-hmm. How the world's going to change? How different resources are? I mean, that's what the global market is. It's resources. Like yeah, how different resources can be valued. Like it's just, it's absurd to con- try to consider what's going to solve a problem when there's there's so many things. And I know we're just talking about like the Liga finances, but there's a lot of money. Like that, that it's still mm-hmm. even though Liga is not as rich as the Premier League, you're still talking of billions of of euros, billions of euros that are yeah, that are changing hands year to year. Do you know what is going to help La Liga? Is this your transition to talk about Messi and Busquets and Alba at Inter Miami? I hope it is. No. <laughs> no, okay. Mbappé going to Madrid. Yeah, that's, that, I, I think that, that's true. That's going to be a boost for La Liga economically yeah, and reputationally. Uh, so Mbappé going to Madrid, it's actually good for Barcelona as well. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm not, I'm not scared of him. So no. Bring it. no, 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 no. Neither All am right, I. So, yeah, let's let's end the show real quick with and by real quick, I mean these are hard questions, but I'm gonna let you kind of play in the sandbox with them and, and see what you get what you can come up with. So here's a question for Xavi heading into the preseason and with Arsenal on Wednesday. I again for a programmer note, I don't know how much of that I'll be doing a headline for. I I'm always pretty honest here, so I am getting some teeth pulled tomorrow. So I may be out of commission for the rest of the week or beyond. They're actually important teeth. So you won't be, you can say goodbye to some of the things in my mouth. And I don't know what shape I'll be in. I'm going to try to do some pre recorded stuff, but I'm already a little late on that. So yeah, I, I hope that these questions kind of sustain you for the next week or two if they need to. So, Levon, let's start with this one. Questions, again, questions for Xavi heading into the preseason. 
who will get the most minutes at the, and I put quotes around this, pivot position this season? This season. Because Nico got the most during the preseason last year. <laughs> so that's why I'm like, this season. I, I, are we saying preseason or season? I'm saying season. Because again, Nico Gonzalez got the most pivot preseason minutes last year. And Frankie DeYoung played center back and bench. So the preseason doesn't, like, it doesn't hold much water. Frankie. Frankie. Okay. No. Yeah. Let's, I'm going to, I'm going to, that, that's how we're going to answer these and we're going to keep going through them. So can Ansufati or Ferran Torres rebound this season? And yes. what do you think that looks like? Them rebounding, playing well, scoring. That's what it looks like. And yes, of course they can. Will they is another question, but they can. I'm going to go through my predictions later, but for Ansu, if I'm going to be high on his rebounding, I'm going to say 15 to 18 goals, 18 at the highest. 15 is, is reasonable. And a reminder that he had double digits last year, and that was considered a down year. So Ansu is going to be, I mean, a, a rebound, like a real strong rebound, where it's like, oh, Ansu's 85% back of who we know. That's like 20 goals. All right. Who will play right back the second most after Jules Kunde this season? And I almost have to say, like, don't Ronald Araujo actually doesn't count here in case he does. So not who's, who's not named Ronald Araujo. Sergio Roberto. Which, right. which is totally reasonable. Yeah, that's yeah. totally reasonable. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Um, will Abde be around in the second week of September? No. I think I agree with you on that, too. I think, yeah, I'm just going over the forwards. There's just too many and too many reasons why everyone else isn't leaving. And so that's something against Abde. I think, again, it's a lot of these decisions aren't made based on who they are as a player, but who they are as a number. The same with Nico Gonzalez. Like, Nico is a player that is useful for Barcelona, but he's also... I mean, he's ten. He's worth eight to ten million euros with a buyback. So if he winds up being that good, then Barcelona will go get him when Oruemeo and Gonigan are, are too old, and that's the case. Other end of the spectrum, too young. How much of a role will Lamine Yamal play this season? You think he might surprise uh, people and get significant minutes? Um, How apparently many? He's, apparently, yeah. he's killing it. I mean, and, and enough that you know we actually see him playing, get to know him as as a player. Mm, yeah, okay. Instead of just like, oh, that look at that young player. He's exciting. Da, 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 da. You can actually say, these are what he does well. This is what he doesn't do well yeah. at top level. And here's how he needs to improve. Well, very much like the first year. I mean, Gabi was an actual first team rotation player in his first season. And I don't think Lumi Newell will be that. But yeah, we'll, no. we'll have to see. So how do no, we last le- person le- here? Le- le- less no. than Gabi, but more than... I, I don't see him getting a, lot, getting a lot of starts, but I do see him uh, make more than five appearances. Yeah. I'm almost thinking of like, almost like an Iniesta in his first season, like going way back. Like, again, people can't understand Anders Iniesta isn't Anders Iniesta, but I believe he played like 14 times his first season. 
like which was like an unofficial season, but I think he did 14 the first year, mm-hmm. like 26 the next year. And even at that point, he was still like expected to go on loan at like Rangers or something when he was yeah. 20, 21 years old. I don't but know yeah, if he's going to get 14 appearances because he's only 16. But... Right. But he's 16. He is going to sign that contract. So you're good to yeah. go. Good on that. All right. And then lastly here, how do the new signings you think fit into that rotation? Again, this is a question that I will be, well, in the case at least of Gundogan and... I'm going to be answering this in grave detail. So let's look out for that later in the week. I've already punched the numbers on the minutes. But how do you think the new signings fit into this rotation with the, I guess, a very simplified version of everyone just says Gala 11s. Everyone just says who are the starters and how do you fill in from there? But I don't think that's how it's going to be this year. And that's how it should yeah. be this year. But do you think one of these new signings, I think the inverse of that is, can you see Gundogan or Romeo, who am I missing, Inigo Martinez, are you? Do you think that one of them is just going to like not really play, just kind of like just be there? No, they'll all get, they will all get minutes. They will all get minutes. Uriel Romeo, I, I have no idea because I haven't uh, honestly haven't watched him play that much. So I've seen the analysis of people who have followed him, and yeah, maybe maybe he brings balance. The, my, my biggest question about Uriel Romeo is, you know, he's not as good of a defender as Busquets. And he's not as good on the ball as Busquets. So why why would he start? Unless tactically, the way that he defends uh, help, helps the rest of the team. Which, which I suspect is probably going to happen, at least in, in, in some matches, right? So um, it's going to be very, very interesting and very curious how, 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 how this works out. But everybody thinks that Busquets is a poor defender. Uh, so by extension, because Romeo is not uh, strong offensively, people will assume that Romeo is a better defender than Busquets. But, yeah. you know, because that's how people think. Um, yeah, very, very literally, yep. Yeah, but, um, you know, he, he only wins like 25% of his duels, mm-hmm. which is insane for yeah. somebody who you would think can start at the holding midfield position in in Barcelona. And I'm a little bit worried about that. But let's see. Yeah, I mean, it's a little teaser for, again, later in the week when I fully break down Oro Romeo. He played 2,950 minutes last year for Girona. That is 400 minutes than any other midfielder for Barcelona. That is also 100 more minutes than Lewandowski played last season. He would have been the highest outfield player minutes for all of FC Barcelona last season. And so what Oro Busquets does more than anything else that I've known Oro Romeo, like, Romeo, I mean, is that he eats up minutes. That is what he does. He eats up minutes and just gobbles them up. Almost in a way, I know it's like redactive, but almost in a way like Gabi does, where you ask over the course of 60 minutes, you're like, what does Gabi do? What is the point of Gabi? And Oro Romeo, I think, having watched enough Girona last year to say like, what he does is that he makes sure that Alex Gar- Garcia, he makes sure that Rigo Raquelme look good. He makes sure that those guys can have an impact on the game. And that is his job. That is his purpose. That is his function. That is why Xavi wanted him. So my big, biggest question is, does Or Romeo make Pedri good? Does he make Gabi good? Does he make Frankie de Young good? Are those players allowed to express themselves 100% with the trust that someone is behind them? whether mm-hmm. he's intercepting balls, whether he is starting play, whether he is stepping between the center backs and building up, regardless of what his position is, he's a pivot. 
So what is the, the nature of that job? That job is to enhance the, the others around him. And I think last year in particular, that is why that for midfield, that's why they switched to that. Because Busquets, for all the criticism he got, Frankie de Young looked good last year. And that is a credit to Busquets more than any other player. Pedri became Barcelona's, to me, most important player. And again, who was the midfielder who was standing right behind him every time? It was Busquets. So if Orohumeu can do 80% of that, and you add Gundogan to that rotation, and I'm not saying replace Gundogan with Gabi in some kind of box midfield perfect 11, but if it is a healthy dose of Orohumeu when called upon, because again, I, I mean, I, I don't want to give away the numbers, but anyway, I, I did. I assume that he's going to play quite a few minutes, and I could also see him very well getting the fifth most minutes behind De Jong, Gabi, Gundogan, Pedri, and then Xavi Kana. Where do I need him? When do I need him? How do I need him? So I'm not actually plugging him in as some kind of consummate starter, but I think yeah. he will be important over the course of a of a season. Which again is people don't want to hear this that it takes. A course of a season, a lot happens. Injuries happen. Yeah. Like, I mean, Barca played three games last year with their Gala 11. So I would say just like, just strap in. <laughs> it's a long season. There are ebbs and flows. Injuries, players come, players come in and out, and you never know what's going to happen. But Levan, I, I think this season more than last year feels more controlled. I mean, I think the, I mean, obviously, even with the messy stuff at the start of this year, that wasn't a real thing this summer. Like it was pretty much, it was decided pretty quickly, you know, rip the bandaid off, whatever. Uh, and I, I just feel like, yeah, I think this season is year a full second year of Xavi. So it's the year and a half. So now it's the, the, the first official year of season number two with him preseason. And it just it just it feels like things are normal. And that is OK, at least today on Monday, the 24th at 541 p.m. on the Monday. It feels normal. And that's a great thing. <laughs> here, here. Yeah, yeah. All right. So again, you can follow him on Twitter or X, or I, I hope you can still follow him, whatever the, the heck it's called. Uh, then you can follow us everywhere else at the Barcelona Pod, Facebook, Patreon, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, merch store, all that different stuff. Again, look out for additional content. Maybe it's from past me. Maybe it's from, I don't know, future me, whoever is going to be giving you stuff later in the week and then next week as well as I continue to recover. So thanks so much for listening to the show. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon. Forza Barca. Forza Barca.